the Small Queendom Podcast, episode 57. You're listening to the Small Queendom Podcast with me, Leah Graham, wellness advocate, self-healer, entrepreneur, and Enneagram 3. Tune in each week for holistic personal development and wellness, the Enneagram, and other lifestyle topics. Basically, I like to talk to people, try things, and share here to help you rule your queendom with ease. If you like the show, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share it with a friend. For the past year, I have not had ads on this show (laughs) because honestly, it is laughable to think that I would talk to you about a mattress or a security system or some kind of subscription for stamps. Like that is not the small queendom at all. But I absolutely love a good brand. There's only one kind of jean that I buy, and I am an Apple diehard fan for my technology, and there is a Subaru number three and number four in my driveway. So when I tell you about doTERRA essential oils, I want you to know that it is actually the number one brand that I would recommend to anyone if I could only pick one, right? Beyond the fact that it is like the poster child for fair trade and the fact that the reason our oils are so magical is because they are filled with love and it starts with the farmers that we actually know and care for at the beginning of them. But really my story is because I was depressed, I had super serious digestive issues, and I was getting sick all the time. And I needed something to be able to take care of my health. My husband deals with anxiety and my children you know, they're kids. So things coming and going around here. And I use essential oils for all of it. And so I just want to invite you, if you have never used doTERRA before, but you've used other essential oils, it is not even in the same ballpark. It's like comparing Fruit Loops to produce from the farmer's market, right? (laughs) Because that's what this is. Essential oils are truly the perfect addition for anyone who is wanting to take your daily average to the next level. I love saying that it improves our quality of life in a really significant fashion, whether it's an emotional, physical, or even spiritual needs. It really is something you have to experience. There is a price point for wherever you're at. It starts at $150 and goes up. I'm going to put a couple links for my favorite packages to get started with, and I hope that you will click on them and take a look. There might be a lot of companies that make phones or cars or (laughs) subscriptions online, but there is only one company that's doing essential oils right doing essential oils right by the earth, right by the farmers, right by the consumers, and right by healthcare. And that's doTERRA, so just check out the links below. All right, let's get back to the show. You all, today I am here talking to Emily Gwynn. Emily has been a thrifter for years and grew up within an antique business. All of her passions collided when she landed a job at Antique Archaeology, home of the History Channel's hit show, American Pickers. She's even been featured on the show. Emily's creative eye and unique style bring such a fresh spin on thrifting and low-impact living. She lives in LeClaire, Iowa with her husband, David, and their three rescue fur babies. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. I know. It's so fun to talk to you. So um, I'll never forget when I first met you. It was in Iowa. It was at a retreat we both attended. Yes. I thought, who is this cool girl? Like, she's got something happening here. <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't always feel the coolest, so I like hearing that. 
<laughs> well, so I've been able to kind of follow you a little bit um, on Instagram. I just love Instagram. It's so fun to get to know. Me too. Yeah. I mean, it's just the best. It's way better than Facebook. Can we just agree there? No, especially for like creative and visual people. It's way better. I, I can't get enough of um, all the photos and everybody I get to meet. Your world opens up on Instagram. I love it. Yes. So Emily, recently I was in a thrift store because I have an event to go to and I'm so frustrated when I go into retail stores or I'm on retail sites and I was trying to find like a gown to wear or a cute dress. So I'm like, you know what? I used to be quite into thrifting. I am going to hit up some stores in my town. So by the second store, literally in front of me was like the coolest dress. And I tried it on, sure enough, it fit me. And I'm like, ah! this is this is $12? Yeah. And it would have been completely out of my budget range. And I was like, this is fabulous. I'm going to get back into this. And this topic of thrifting needs to come to the podcast. And you came to my mind, my Heck friend. yes. So was it, was it a vintage dress? Was it? Yes. Or it was vintage? Yes, it was vintage. It um, has tons of sequins on it. So, of course, the sequin work is handmade. Right. Um, probably, I mean, it might have been an 80s situation, but I, it kind of looks timeless to me. Hey, in the 80s, I mean, I'm, I'm rocking a lot of the 80s right now. So, and I think everybody is a little bit. It's coming back for sure. So, Emily, let's dive into our conversation today. Um, but before we get started, I, I said a little bit about you in our bio. Um kind of help us get to know you a little bit and like really what makes you tick? So I, you know, my little world is kind of what keeps me going. Um, you know, I love all the people in it and my fur babies and um, my, my eye really. Um, however, I can be creative in my day to day if it's um, I mean, literally, if it's even just like making like a new smoothie recipe, I literally, I just crave anything new, anything fun, different. Um, so it's just trying to make that, take that spin every day to find something or enjoy something kind of new or, um, visualize it differently. That is awesome. So you're definitely in a creative. I would definitely call you a creative. Yeah. And my job doesn't always let me, I mean, I can be pretty creative in my job, but it's not like a creative, you know, career necessarily. Um, I get to be around a lot of that stuff. Um, a lot of antiques and a lot of, you know, um, really cool stuff, but not my day to day. Isn't like I get to like design and be creative every day. Um, so I think since I don't get to showcase it a lot in my career, I really try to do it on my free time as much as possible because that is like what my, my brain, my body, my soul like needs. I normally don't ask this, but I am going to ask you to tell us about your day job. So my day job is really hard to describe probably, um, but I do, I manage the antique archaeology store in LeClaire. Um, so that is on the show, American Pickers. Uh, so I'm overseeing, you know, um, employees, uh, and my boss, you know, Mike Wolf is kind of on the road all the time, um, uh, making that amazing TV show. So I kind of run the store as much as I can, um, day to day. Uh, so we see thousands of tourists all the time. We're buying product, um, buy, sell, you know, antiques, um, 
And then I even have to, you know, do some plumbing. I mean, it's literally kind of running the business from the ground, from the floor up on a daily basis. So um, yeah, it's really fun and it's very challenging and a lot of problem solving that I never thought I'd have to do. How long have you been doing this? Um, it is a little over eight years now. So yeah, it's been a long time. The show's been on for 10, it'll be 10 years in January. So I kind of jumped on, um, about a year or so into the show. Um, and it's kind of just exploded since then. So it's wild. That is so fun. And I just want to mention that your t-shirt says girls run things. Girls run things. And I am so proud of antique archaeology and where I work because I work with an amazing team of mostly women. Um, so really from, you know, the marketing, from the buying, the managing, literally every inch of it is kind of um, female powered, uh, which is really, really cool. That's super um, rad. And especially for, and I, we have this poster in the shop and it says, you know, American Pickers, the TV show for guys that like stuff. And I, like, I hate that poster. It's like, you know, for a show that's, I think, you know, it's geared towards guys. Um, but there's a whole lot of women power in that. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty satisfying. So besides watching the television show, how else can we follow along with antique archaeology yeah so antiquearchaeology.com um and then if you just search for us on instagram or facebook antique archaeology um and we're always posting on instagram um and there's really cool shots like the biggest thing that happened recently was uh mike and the guys found aerosmith's tour van um so they got it restored and they did this big unveiling with aerosmith which i was not invited how dare them um, but they did this big unveiling in Vegas, uh, where, you know, Steven Tyler and all the, all the Aerosmith guys were there to see the van, which was super cool. Um, he said that they, uh, my favorite part of the van was before it got restored. I think they saved some of it, but there were these old Oriental rugs pinned, like in lining the interior of the van, like very hippie, very, you know, um, and Steven Tyler was like, yeah, that's where I hid my in my weed um up in the up in the in the rug um but yeah it was just it was super cool oh what a fun experience yeah yeah it was you know and I even not even being a part of that episode or really a part of that you know it's still so powerful to like see I you know like billboard.com did you know an article about the guys finding it and restoring it and, you know, to see it on the news and it was kind of a big deal when they found it. Um, I mean, that's pretty cool to be a part of, even if you're kind of in the back, you know, behind the scenes of it, it it's still really, really cool. So how would you describe maybe your aesthetic? So I don't even really know how to describe my aesthetic. Um, I'm definitely a little bit boho. I would say quirky boho meets like urban, if that is a thing. <laughs> um, and I really can appreciate, you know, kind of old styles as well. So um, growing up in like an antique home, which my parents were big antique uh, dealers and collectors, um, I appreciate the history and, you know, um, things that were really well made. Um, but I definitely love modern spins on things too. So I really don't know if I could peg my aesthetic. It's kind of all over the place. 
Yeah, that's really neat. So did you grow up um, just going to dealers and like um, estate sales and like all those things? So I grew up hating antiques, absolutely hating it, like with a passion because my parents would drag us to like antique malls, auctions, you know, on the weekends, that was what we did. Um, And, you know, we're in the back of a little Ford Taurus and I'm like in tears, like, please, like, please pull over the car. I'm so tired. Um, it was just like the most, it was like the worst thing as a kid, I guess, uh, especially I didn't appreciate it. Um, and the, like the biggest embarrassing thing I can remember was my dad really wanted a windmill, like a big windmill on our farm. We didn't have one. So like on the weekends we would drive around to farms and if they had a windmill, my dad would ask them if he could buy the windmill. Um, so, so he'd like wheel and deal something. Yeah. Like literally like the pickers, like he was literally trying to pick somebody's windmill off of their property. Um, and I would be mortified, like in the back seat, like hiding my face, like just mortified. Um, so it's all very ironic that this is kind of where I wound up, but I really did grow up to kind of appreciate it on such a deeper level. And I think, you know, I lost my dad, it'll be 10 years this year. And I think maybe losing him a bit impacted me, you know, why did he find so much joy and so much passion in this? Um, I think that kind of started, things started to really click together a little bit. Wow. That, so maybe you're kind of on a search for like what he found in it. And then maybe it's like a little way to feel closer to it. For sure. And you know, I, I didn't appreciate, I, I, you know, my parents' aesthetic was very primitive. So like, Hey, this, you know, giant slab of wood is a table and that slab of wood is a chair. You know, like it's really early stuff, um, which I don't necessarily love, but I love it when you take maybe something like that and mix it with new um, my parents' home, nothing was new. Um, so I think it was trying to, yeah, find things that maybe my dad would have really loved and then making them my own because it's always been kind of about making them my own as well. That's awesome. All right. So thinking about thrifting, picking all the things, you know, for some people, it seems overwhelming. It seems chaos. Um, they don't know how to walk into a space where the, there are all these found things and sort through it. So when you're walking into a store or and maybe an estate sale and there is just a lot of stuff, like how do you approach looking at a pile of stuff and knowing what's good and what's not? So I feel like people ask me that a lot. Um, and honestly, it's it's good if it speaks to you, you know, like, I, yeah, you know, thrifting is exciting, especially when you can find something valuable or, you know, maybe it's a designer piece that you would spend hundreds of dollars, you know, at um, a big box store for. Um, But really, I don't really get that caught up in the labels of it. It's just if it speaks to you, you know, Um, and I think that's the overwhelming part that people put more so on themselves. But if you kind of just like remove yourself a little bit and say, okay, I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not trying to find this, you know, like huge item that's gonna like make me a fortune I just want to go in and find something that speaks to me and once you start to kind of play with that mindset a little bit I mean literally the store opens up to you um I kind of get like I don't know if I'm like just a creature of habit or just a little OCD which let's be real I'm definitely on OCD spectrum but whenever I go into a thrift store I totally like do the same paths every time I go in so like I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe it's the thrifting gods telling me to like continue my path of thrifting, but I always tend to do the perimeter and then I'll focus in on, um, I'll focus in on the racks after I kind of see the store 
the racks take the longest. So I feel like that's what needs the most energy. Uh, so, and especially if I'm looking through racks, I'll like, oh, I wonder if they have like a cool vase or a cool lamp. So I kind of get all that out of the way and then I'll kind of dive into the racks afterwards. Um, that's a really good tip because yeah. I think if you go to the racks first, you, you kind of give up. You get to the racks, you might get discouraged. You're like, oh my God, I, this is like insane. Um, but yeah, I'll kind of like, just kind of take a temperature if that's a thing of, you know, the space and what's there. Um, and I tend to, I get really crazy about home decor stuff. Um, I have a couple pieces that are like, I call my unicorns that I've been looking for that I don't know if I'll find, but I tend to always like want to check that first. Um, I'm like that crazy lady that's like running to the back to see if it's there or not. Um, and then as soon as it's not, because it hasn't been, um, I'll go and kind of, yeah, look through the clothes and that definitely, that takes a lot of energy. Um, yeah, I mean, if you find like a cool pair of shoes and then, you know, that kind of maybe gains up your momentum to hit those racks. So I've got to ask, what are you on the lookout for? So the one thing I've been really wanting to find is like a waterfall bench. They're like kind of 80s, 90s. It's like an upholstery, like upholstered bench. And like from the legs, it's all like one piece and it just kind of curves and it's really sexy. It's got, I don't know, I want it. And I, people on Instagram, girls I follow have been finding them um, and I get really insanely jealous. So um, that's my piece I'm trying to find. Uh, but sometimes I don't even know what my pieces I want until like they pop up and then you're like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? Do you kind of have a running list of like, oh, I could use a new ring coat or yeah, I'm looking for a lamp for that room. No. I, uh, I, I tend to, you know, again, I use the, which my husband would say is really annoying because I do come home with lots of stuff, but I kind of, um, go to, if it speaks to me. Um, and I, you know, I've been buying up a lot too, that I would like to maybe try to sell one day as well. Um, once I can get my head wrapped around that, um, but yeah, whatever kind of speaks to me and if it makes sense, I definitely, there has to be a limit though, because your home starts to kind of, you start to lose control of it. If you, especially if you're kind of a person that um, is nostalgic, like I am. <clears throat> and if I see something, I'm like, oh, nanny or my grandma had that, or, oh, I remember that when I was a kid or, and I'll like come home with all this crap and I'm like, holy, you know, like I have to keep it in check for sure. All right. So that is what I found too. When I would thrift a lot, um, mm -hmm. I would find all these little shot keys or whatever you call them. Yeah. And, um, they're super cute, but it's like, when's enough enough. But let me ask you this. Does, does thrifting kind of fill that retail therapy bug? So maybe you're not Amazon priming it every day. You're just running to the thrift store. For sure. I honestly, I can't tell you the last time. I mean, we use Amazon here and there for like toothbrushes or, you know, things that I might not, um, you know, it's both on Iowa. I can't get a ton of things, you know, where I could get it in larger cities. So I might use Amazon for those sources, but when it comes to garments and clothing, um, I don't buy online. I don't buy anything new really. Um, so it definitely is a little bit of that retail therapy. And I, I now, even when I try to go buy something at a big box store, it's not fun. Um, because you're kind of being told what to buy it's all set up for you. You know, you're not getting a chance to kind of make your own rules and, you know, find those treasures that really make you excited. Um, sure. You know, you can go to target and find a really cute top. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It just, it doesn't do the same for me anymore. And the more I think about 
how many targets we have in our country or across the world and all of these clothes that, and even going to thrift stores now, it's, you know, how much of that target clothing is going back into the thrift stores that I don't want to buy a target top there. I know target clothing doesn't last. Um, so, uh, seeing how much waste that is, and it's kind of, you know, it's throwaway clothing, um, that I, I really, it kind of, it started to turn me off a lot. So. So in your bio, you use the words low impact Mm. living, and this is really like, this is such an important topic because I noticed that when I'm purging my closet, usually there is a few of the same brands that I'm constantly like getting rid of. So and honestly, when I'm going through thrift uh, a thrift store, I'm seeing a ton of Old Navy, a ton of like the basic mall brands. Like they don't last. No. And it feels like when you're not grabbing that fast fashion mm. from, you know, online, you're able to find something in your local store. Gosh, that's got to be better for the environment. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the statistics on like how much clothing waste we are, you know, putting out. Um, and the fast fashion and keeping up with all the trends. And you think about, I mean, it's really mind boggling to think about how many people are purchasing this stuff. And then it winds up at the thrift stores. And I'm, I'm sure the thrift stores even have a difficult time getting rid of it too. Um, Cause you know, I'll, I'll, you can really tell by the piece if it's starting to pill. Um, and I know whenever I buy anything, you know, at one of those stores, like on H&M or Target or whatever, even some of my Madewell jeans don't hold up either. Um, and that's kind of frustrating, especially when you're spending a hundred dollars on a pair of jeans, but you know, the fabric will pill or it automatically just kind of gets this odd texture or it's the threads are coming loose and it, um, I just kind of gave up with it. I don't know. It just became like the cycle, um, that is, it's not good for our environment. I don't think it's good for us as humans to kind of have that mentality of, Oh, it's, it's damaged now. I'm just going to, you know, do- toss or donate and buy new because it's a cycle that we really need to break. I, I agree. And I'm trying to get better at it myself. That's another reason yeah. why I'm, I'm trying to like reincorporate this back in my life. I was telling a friend the other day in college, like I had no money whatsoever. And I was literally like going to the Salvation Army and Goodwill stores to yeah. purchase my clothes. And so I was buying like the plaid shirts from the 70s like before it was a hipster thing. And now it's, yeah, now it's, and, and the crazy thing too is that I pick up on is if you start to follow like some of those big fashion houses on Instagram, like Gucci or, you know, any of those, and you start to really look at the pieces individually, 99% you can find at the thrift store. Um, and you can, you know, spend literally um, a fraction, the smallest fraction of what that would cost. And especially when it comes to our, you know, our trends change so fast. We as humans are, and especially in this technology age, we're so, you know, like ADD, we're on to the next thing always. It doesn't make sense to, you know, keep on buying the stuff when you can just buy it from the thrift store. Um, it'll satisfy, it can totally hit that, you know, temporary trend. And then, you know, you can pass it on or keep it in your closet and it becomes kind of a staple. I have so many things that um, I thought would just be like, oh, you know, this will be cute for this outfit. I had this one outfit I hadn't, you know, envisioned. And then it's kind of been in my closet now for a couple of years. So um, I think it's it's worth it's worth the extra work just to kind of be more mindful about um, how we're impacting our environment and uh, and our psychology. I think that idea of 
going to the thrift store to try out a trend is genius. It's mm-hmm. so genius. I mean, right now, I'm going to be honest. I feel so inspi- uninspired by what I'm seeing available right now. And on, on typical retail stores that I would be able to find pieces, I'm like not finding anything. Yeah. Um, but it's a great idea to think, hey, I can go spend four ninety seven and try out a cool trench look and, yeah. you know, from the thrift store and I'm going to literally save myself $200. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's so many, and I, I think I told you earlier, like the tie dye stuff that's like everywhere. And I hate when I go to like target and it's like $20 for tie dye. I'm like, are you, is this a joke? Because, um, we could most definitely do this at home. Um, or if you don't want to do, I mean, literally the stores have tie dye pieces everywhere or like the rattan, the wicker furniture that is everywhere. I see it constantly at the thrift stores and typically it's going to be in better, you know, these are pieces that have survived maybe from the eighties, nineties, they're better made. Yeah. I see them everywhere. I actually just went to a flea market, um, in Makokata on Sunday and there were tons, tons of pieces everywhere for rattan. I like to grab uh, or at least browse through like the purses section mm-hmm. because there'll be like really cool quirky purses that maybe someone only used like for special occasions here or there. Yep. And they're like such a cool look. Whereas if you went to like Kate Spade, you'd spend $125 on a quirky little watermelon bag, you know? Yeah. I don't think um, my husband bought me like a coach bag once and I have it still, but it's not something, you know, it's not my grab. It's not the one I I gravitate towards. The quirky is totally my jam too. When it comes to bags, the more unique, I don't want to have the same bag that like five other girls, you know, at my salon have, or, you know, whatever the case may be, I want it to be kind of a standout. And every once in a while, you know, like you can find a really expensive bag too. If you know, you want one of those and the grandmas, grandmas took care of their stuff. All the grandma, and I can pretty much pinpoint what, what I have that's grandma and what's not. Grandmas usually leave their little Kleenexes, you get little tissue surprises in the purses, um, but they took care of their stuff. And they're, you know, these bags could be 30, 40, 50 years old, and they're perfect, you know, because um, you know they only wore maybe a couple nights of the year, and that was their special bag, which then gets me, like, going all nostalgic, like, oh, I love it. Okay, I have to ask you, what is your Enneagram type? Because we love to talk about Enneagram on here. I am a solid, like crazy, crazy, crazy four. Oh, right on, right crazy on. Four. What is your favorite thing about being a four? I I do love the, um, I definitely, I know, I think I've read that it's kind of like the romantic number. Um, yes that we do kind of feel the most or feel a lot. Um, I definitely romanticize literally everything in my life, which has been good and really bad also. Um, It makes reality a little bit more stingy. It kind of hurts a little bit more than I guess if I didn't have those pre-imagined, you know, kind of um, romantical images in my mind first. I remember when I was in college and I went to uh, school in Chicago and I had this like romanticized envision of what life in Chicago would be like Carrie Bradshaw. And, you know, like I was going to have this incredible, you know, college lifestyle and blah, 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 blah. And then like, you know, I remember like moving there and being able to barely afford anything. And then like all of a sudden my bubble like bursting. I was like, wow, like my my mind can definitely take me places that um, aren't necessarily there, but that's kind of the cool part too. All right. So I was going to ask that. So maybe the thing you love about being an Enneagram 4 is also on the flip side, the hard thing. Oh, for sure. I like, 
And I like that, that there's a kind of a sense of wonder and excitement about a lot of things as a four. I think you kind of, you look for the best or um, you kind of envision, you know, your mind lets you, you really can envision anything and you're very creative and you're very passionate about that stuff. But that's also the downfall to it. I can get very in my bubble where it's hard for people to kind of reach me. So that just kind of being aware of that stuff. But yeah, I'm a total over romanticize literally everything, everything. Now, as a four, or just, you know, as you, would you say that you've ever had a a defining moment that's happened to you in your life? So I think it was um, definitely, and we talked about this before too, was probably my sobriety. I think there was, again, you know, this romanticized or this kind of vision in my mind of what it was to be, you know, a, a woman in her 20s and having cocktails with her friends and being okay with that. Um, and that's just kind of, it, I don't know, in my mind, it was just kind of like, that's what kids my age do, or that's what we're supposed to do. And I'm living my life the way 20 something should. And I think once I discovered and once I reached that part, that bottom really that, you know, was a problem, um, really started to make me understand myself a little bit more and see where my I need boundaries as a person. And I don't know if that's a thing with a four that's a problem or not, but the boundaries are definitely a hard thing for me. So did you, did you find yourself turning to alcohol in response to maybe your father's death or was it just like taking the social drinking to an extreme? It was the social, you know, my dad, obviously that was, you know, the depression and anxiety was overwhelming. So that wasn't a state. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a social thing. And I never realized how much I relied on alcohol to open up those social, you know, cues. And I discovered after I quit that I actually have social anxiety, which I've never, never um, thought I had before. As soon as I, cause I got rid of that, it was like, oh my God, how do you talk to people? Oh, okay. So yeah, that was, that was pretty eye-opening. It changed me forever be, you know, drinking and excessive, being an alcoholic and then being able to kind of reclaim my life and my sobriety. Um, those were both very defining moments. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, it's, it's so brave. I mean, it's, there are some people in my family that have dealt with alcoholism and taking it to ex- excess. And I think it takes just so much vulnerability to say like, this is a problem I need to. Oh, I sobbed. Stop. I sobbed for like sobbed. Um, I went to AA it was my first kind of um, knee jerk was to, I needed something and I didn't know where to start. So that was my first my first uh, step was AA and I went to a women's group only and I went there for about three months. And then I started to feel like, you know, and nothing against AA at all. I just, I kind of felt that I had some of the tools I needed from that and I moved on. But at that moment, it was exactly what I needed. And I think the most like shocking and the moment where I decided I didn't need to go anymore was it was like my three month anniversary. And usually you get chips for your big, you know, um, anniversaries or, you know, your dates and they ran out of the three month chip. And one of the ladies next to me kind of leaned over and she goes, don't worry about it. I have like 10 of them at home. I said, I'll give you one. And I, at that moment was like, I don't know how any living person could go through this 10 times. Like I couldn't even get through one of these, you know, uh, meetings without like just sobbing. And I think at that moment I was like, and I wish I could see her and be like, just what you told me was, and she probably had no idea that that would help me, but that was insane. Um, I never wanted to be in that place. 
you know, when I look at society and culture, it seems like alcohol is used over and over and marketed as like this, you know, it's kind of like what you do, you know, rosé all day situation, especially in the mom world. Like there is so much marketing that I can't be a cool mom or like get through momming without that wine at night. And hey, if I'm a day drinker, that's cool. I mean, that kind of messaging is damaging. It pisses me off. I even like went on, I think it was, um, it was the Honest Company, which is woman-owned, you know, clean products. And they stand for a lot that I really admire. And they'll post like yoga wine, you know, yoga wine pizza or something stupid along those lines where it's like, no, as women, we are kind of targeted because we're easier to be like, oh, you had a rough day, you know, like, no, you don't see advertisements like that for men. You know, mm. men kind of own their drink a little bit and women are like we have to crutch on it it makes me so mad and I I kind of like fired off on the on the honest company I was like this is you know for um especially a, a woman owned you know female ran business it was it's just very upsetting and it's still a great company but again it's become such a norm for us to <laughs> to kind of yeah make a make it fun um to make it light and make it uh yeah something that we need which is so so false. Do you follow January Harshi? I do. I follow her because you told me to. I love her. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, oh, awesome. Well, she is so outspoken about yeah. her sobriety. And I just, I love the way she talks about it so strongly. She's like, I'm a woman. I don't need wine to survive. You know, like, yeah. I just, I just love her really strong messaging. So what would you say to the young woman that's in her 20s or maybe she's in college or maybe she's in her career and you know she's not sure if she has a problem or not like what what would you kind of say to her you know you know like if it's in your gut and you you have that nagging I had the nagging for years um it's really hard for me I had I kept a journal a lot of those times and it's really hard for me to go back and look through those because I struggled for quitting I wanted to quit for years and um, I just could never. And I actually, there was one of my journals I posted on Instagram once and it was like just gut wrenching, but it was me trying to count how many days I could go without drinking. And my goal was like seven and I got it to four or something. And you know, like it doesn't mean, and I guess I grew up with a family that they drank every day, but they justified it. like, oh, it's just beer. Or, you know, if you're kind of making excuses for yourself like that, like, oh, I don't drink every day. But if you still have that moment where you're trying to justify, I guess, your drinking or your actions, I think that's already yourself trying to tell you that, hey, you know, there's some red flags happening. Um, I felt it. I felt it for years. And it finally just reached a point where I had to make some huge life decisions, life changes in order to keep my life the way I knew it or, you know, to make it better. I, it reached a point where I couldn't, you know, continue on. Um but yeah, I, if you feel it, something needs to happen. Um, and it's easier to try to catch it then than let it go. I wish so much I would have, you know, gotten the courage to do it earlier. But again, you know, it, everybody's path is different and everybody's journey is, you know, is yours and you need it for a reason. And I'm the type of person that I crash and burn to learn my, uh, my lessons. I need to like hit concrete in order to, you know, rise up from that. So that's kind of how I learn, unfortunately. But, um, yeah. And I know there's a girl I work with her, her daughter, you know, um, she talks about that sometimes as being a problem. And, um, 
all I can say is, you know, you just have to kind of let them go to a certain point and they'll learn. Nobody can tell you what to do. And that's kind of the hard part with addiction as well. Yeah, it's definitely hard to see someone going through yeah. that. And, you know, it really comes to your yourself, whether you have an addiction to alcohol, whether you have an addiction to caffeine, whether you have an addiction to people yeah. pleasing, you know, like, I mean, that's all an addiction. It's all a dulling. You know, maybe you have an addiction to your phone. It's all just like, like dumbing down that senses. So we're not feeling, you know, as you said, your social anxiety or, or maybe it's for me, like I get a vulnerability hangover as an Enneagram yeah. three, you know? So, oh, let me just go watch my show. Cause I feel bad that I showed so much of myself, you know? <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's, it's really, I think it comes down to boundaries and the more boundaried, you know, I read that the more boundaried you are, or the more boundaried person is the more loving person. And I really, I really try to remember that um, because boundaries are so hard for me. I'm a pleaser as well, where I, I will be on call, you know, I will work, I will do whatever it takes, you know, but the only person that's really paying that price is me. It doesn't really, the hardest thing I've learned is that it's not impressing anybody. Um, by you not having boundaries, you're just, you know, you're hurting yourself. So, and that's something, um, I've learned and that came in with drinking too. Like, Oh, of course, Emily's down. I, I can't say no. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's learning those boundaries. And at 33 years old, I'm, I, you know, like I struggle with that totally. play a little thrifting this or that yes ma'am okay so I'm just gonna do give you two um categories and you just pick the one that you would go for okay okay all right you're walking in the store and you're gonna go to the jackets or the shoes oh they're both things I love to look at I would say uh jackets jackets art art frames or lamps lamps I don't do people use frames anymore I, 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 it takes me like a year to put something on my wall. I think I still have frames that I like scanned at our wedding, you know, at our registry that I still don't have photos in. I don't know what it is. And I remember like thinking when I was younger, like going to my aunt's house that was covered in family photos everywhere. Like this is what being an adult is by having a shrine of your photos everywhere. And I just, I don't, I don't do it. I'm laughing because I'm pretty sure that my Pinterest boards like used to have the stairs with the adorable oh, like yeah. the gallery. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't. I implement that. I, I can't. And I grapple with it. Like I just <laughs> we don't have our wedding photos up. We don't really. I mean, the refrigerator maybe has a couple photos. But yeah, no, no photos. No photo frames. Jewelry or sunglasses? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, jewelry, jewelry. End tables or chairs? Chairs. I, chairs are, <laughs> I don't know how many chairs you need, but I, I need a lot. Oh yeah. Give me all of the chairs. Mm -hmm. And I love like vintage chairs. They're smaller. Yes. I can't remember. How tall are you? I'm like five, six. Okay, so you're probably more average height. I'm like 5'1". And so like literally the little grandma chairs, I love. Because my feet, like they hit the floor even. And I'm not like, you know, my legs aren't poking out the end because they're such a big chair. I don't, well, and like the whole like huge furniture thing. Like, I don't know. I, I love little chairs. I love little statement chairs. No, I'm chair crazy. 
<laughs> okay, mid-century or 80s? Oh, God. Okay, mid-century is amazing, but it's getting so overdone. Um, it is. It's everywhere. And now that, like, my motto is, is if, like, Target... I feel like I've mentioned Target a lot, but I, in this area, literally Target's like the shop, the only store. Same. Um, Same. Oh, but like, you know, as soon as Target's picking up on like the mid-century wares, like I'm like, Meh, I'm out. Um, I still like the aesthetic of it, but the 80s stuff is pretty cool right now too. Totally. Uh, are you a fan of Stranger Things? Yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. I mean, talk about all the nostalgia. For sure. Um, I haven't watched season three yet, but... No, everything about, even the music, everything about it is great. Um, oh, well, season three is great, but it goes by too fast. And I'm like, give me all the mall scenes. Mm. They have this like the- gap shopping moment and it is for real the best. Do they have like all the neons everywhere? Oh, yes. Um, and like the ugly carpet and everything, you know, the walls are kind of that weird 80s beige, you know. So good. So okay, good. here's one. Um, purses or t-shirts? t-shirts yeah you can get some pretty rad uh graphic tees for sure i found an old bruce uh springsteen um i have found an old nirvana original metallic i mean you can find them and you go online and they're not cheap you know to to buy those vintage t-shirts so you can definitely find them uh but you're gonna look through like a million team shirts like kids softball and so you reach that vintage one but uh my hands like hurt towards the end but it's such a rush when you find them so i have scored some serious vinyl several years ago before vinyl like came back you know how like now like barnes and noble or i mean you can find vinyl like in target they're selling vinyl now but you know five years ago 15 years ago you couldn't find it and I scored a Dave Brubeck Take 5 album, Sweet. which is like classic jazz, and I love jazz. And then I also scored uh, Getz and Gilberto's like breakthrough jazz bossa nova album from the 60s with Girl from Ipanema I on it. It was like, that. I literally got it for like less than $5. I think it might have been $3. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that one. Okay, um, almost done. Vintage toys or vintage hats? Oh God, vintage toys. Cause I'm in crazy ant mode and there's something about like gifting those old toys are so much. I don't know. I don't know if it's more fun for me or for her. It's probably more fun for me, but vintage. Okay. Now, now I love vintage toys as well, but I do want to put a little PSA for listeners and maybe for you. So you need to follow someone's blog. Her name is Tamara Rubin, T-A-M-A-R-A okay. Rubin. And she does a lot of work on um, hidden lead. Oh. And in some, in a, well, I don't want to say all or a lot, vintage toys can be a source of lead, even if it's like plastic. So that might be a good resource. Now, obviously not everything, right. um, but she has some really great um, kind of standby things. And I would never have thought about it, except that I started following her. I would know. Cause I'm like, Oh, this little Fisher price thing. I totally, you know, like, and so I tend to buy her like the old toys, but that is so smart. Well, you know, and especially if I don't know how old, oh, everything goes um, in the mouth. how yeah. old. Yeah. Yeah. Everything yeah. goes in the mouth. Exactly. All right. Last one books or mirrors. <laughs> okay. Books. But if they're super early and like beautiful covers, those are definitely my jam mirrors. If they're like 
I really like the old eighties mirrors right now. Like um, probably my best book find was see here. I'm an Enneagram three. So I'm talking to you about all the best things I've found. Not all the times I never found a good right. book. Right. Um, <laughs> so I found this like over 100 year old um, copy of Pride and oh, Prejudice. I'm, I kid you not. It was five dollars. Did you look it up? No, I have no idea. Okay. How do I, how do I find that out? Are there websites? Yeah. So usually when I go, which that is an amazing find. Um, I don't find, I mean, I find some pretty books, but nothing that's like, like a centerpiece like that. Um, this was at an estate okay. sale. Estate sales are amazing. Also amazing. Amazing. Um, but no, as soon as I get home and I, I basically kind of start Googling immediately what I find, um, just to kind of give me an idea and it helps justify my expenditure if I can like find it online and be like, Oh, I did great. It's worth this. See, I saved this money. But yeah, I'll just like start Googling. Um, and what we use at work too is called worth points. Um, it's kind of an appraisal website. Uh, the catch is you have to be a member, but they do offer like free memberships for a month or something. So you can cancel afterwards. Um, but I, you can usually find just about anything on there. So that one's pretty helpful. But yeah, oh, or I just it. cruise, you know, Etsy um, or any of those online, you know, shops that kind of sell a lot of vintage as well. All right. What is one of your favorite scores that you've ever captured? Ooh. So I would say like one of my craziest was I had like a complete di- designer haul. And like I said earlier, designer does not really, you know, make it or break it for me. Um, but this was like really weird and pretty insane. Um, it was, I got like a Chloe suit, um, Balenciaga slacks. Um, there was a Prada suit, um, Prada little like ankle booties. Um, obviously somebody, uh, just donated. I think it was all probably from the same person I would imagine. And that was probably, I couldn't stop. Like after I found like one piece, I kept on searching and then there was, there was tons of it there. So I ended up buying all of it. Um, and the, the cool thing, and which I think about this a lot too, is how people donate. Um, that particular, um, thrift store is a disabled American veterans thrift store. So I find that sometimes people are very mindful and thoughtful about where they're donating. So Goodwill, you know, I love going to Goodwill, Goodwill is for profit. So if people, you know, um, are donating goods and they know that they might search out somewhere, especially more valuable pieces, they might place somewhere that are not going to be for profit. Um, so the, the, that is such a great point. Um, so Goodwill is, I, you know, I can find some really good stuff there, um, but yeah, you know, that is something that especially I think maybe older people um, are mindful about as well, um, especially for, you know, American veteran, you know, it's helping your community. So I think that people are kind of mindful about that. Um, so I, the DAV here, uh, that is my store. I mean, it's a little, you know, it's not like beautiful by any means, um, but it definitely, you can find the greatest stuff. Um, and I, and it kind of gives me a little, like, it makes me feel kind of nice that, um, people maybe are a little bit mindful about where they're donating. Salvation Army is another good one that I don't believe is for profit, uh, but Goodwill is. I found some pretty good stuff at the Salvation Army before. And we have a local one where I live that is run by a church Mm. and they employ a lot of people that maybe are kind of in transition and just needing, just like needing a little bit of a boost. So, um, I have found some great, that's where I found that special dress. I love that. 
So what would you say to the listener that is like wanting to um, start thrifting um, and they're ready to start darkening the door? Like what's, what's your like little last bit of advice for them? To have fun with it and not to get so discouraged because not every time is going to be amazing. Don't get discouraged. It really is not something that you're going to pick up like that. Um, But the biggest part, the part that like makes me crazy is when people are like, you know, uh, did I do good? Is this about, you know, is this worth a lot? I'm like, don't, who cares? You know, um, if you love it, get it, you know? Um, and also just to keep in your mind, you know, of being low waste and trying to, you know, don't think of it as, oh, if I don't find it here, I'll just buy it somewhere else. You know, like, I think if we start to just look at this as how we need to shop now, um, it'll, it starts to click and, I really, I know you'd asked me before, like how much, um, like how many pieces in a day am I wearing that are thrifted? And honestly, now it's easier to say what pieces I'm not like that are not thrifted. Um, because I would say 99% of everything I have has been second out, you know, is secondhand. Um, so I, I just think it's really important. I think we all need to, this planet is so full of stuff. We don't need to make more of it, you know? All right. Last question. If you could go back to your younger self and tell her something, what would you say to her? I would tell her to not let fear rule, you know, rule your life. Um, Fear has been a really difficult thing for me for a long time. Um, Even when I was little to now, you know, it's still a struggle. Um, And some of it, you know, could be warranted. Some of it, most of it is not. So, um, to, you know, that I'm, that I am capable, I guess, um, is the, it would be what I would want to tell her. Um, cause yeah, fear is such a suck. It just sucks up all the energy. Um, and there's really not a whole lot left. So that's something that I grapple with all the time. I think a lot of people deal with that as well. So those are wise yeah. words, wise words. All right, my friend, how can, uh, the listeners find you on the interwebs? Where should we follow you at? So you can follow me on Instagram. Um, it's just Emily S. Gwynn. And hopefully you'll see some new things from me coming soon too. Uh, and I'm always posting some of my thrift hauls. And actually, I kind of want to like thrift I, or post um, my flea market haul that I did on Sunday. And it was like, it was like thrifting on the sun at this estate sale. I look forward to seeing that haul. Thank you. Thank you. Shortest outro ever. Gotta go check out my local thrift shop. Hey, I hope you do too. Go grab a girlfriend and make a day of it. Listen, have a great week. Believe in your dreams. I believe in you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.